When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, this is Mike, co-host of Realistic Sustainability, the podcast, which you probably already know, but I'm also the author of A Beginner's Guide to Greening Your Life. That was the book that led to our Facebook page, our Facebook group, and, well, even this show. It offers tips on promoting your positive footprint while decreasing your carbon footprint. So, if you want to read what started all of this, get A Beginner's Guide to Greening Your Life, available on Amazon, eBay, Etsy, or just visit greeningyourlife.org for more information. Thank you for joining the sustainable movement and promoting a greener future. Hi, and welcome back to Realistic Sustainability. I'm Mike. I'm here with Nick. Hey, Mike. How you doing? Not too bad. And we're not alone again. No, we're not. Yep. It is Rob Bogan from the Curated Culture. How are you, sir? Fantastic. Sorry about the jazz hands there. I'm excited. I don't think <laughs> that's anybody, a good thing. I don't think anyone should ever be sorry for jazz hands. Thank you so very much for having me on again, man. I, I tremendously appreciate it. I told you, I'm going to try and steal as much of your time as I can find. <laughs> that's awesome. I'm here for it. And Nick, you're out on location. Something like that. I am definitely not where I normally am. I am in Mackinac, fellas. Mackinac, surrounded by water. Indeed, surrounded by the greatest thing. And ironically enough, that's what we're talking about tonight. Oh, we're talking about water. I keep saying it in all the episodes. We go on these little tangents about water, and I say, no, 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 no. We got to come back. We got to do a show about water. Guess what? Today's that show. <laughs> Your guys' job is to make sure I don't get too emotional. Okay. Um, I'm going to push you into the rage. I'm going to push you towards it. <laughs> Well, and just so everybody knows, I spent a lot of time in Flint when I was in college during the Flint water crisis. So everything I saw in that process, working with the university during that crisis, it, it hit me at home. It was a completely different experience and it wasn't a good one. And it, it got to a point where it got under my skin. It made me mad. I went to city council meetings. I was everywhere when it came to that stuff. So when we talk about water, there are times I get a little bit fired up. I completely understand what you're saying, mainly because when you look at the city of Flint, it's just this iconic city that has, you know, hundreds of thousands of people that is probably the most, I would say, durable, dedicated group of individuals to living their life and they're hard workers and they're wonderful people. And it's like the state just washed its hands of them. Like they just left them to suffer, suffer and hug them up dry. Yeah. It's just, yeah. this is a shameful situation. I can remember watching it unfold kind of behind the scenes and, and I, I still growing up in Flint, you know, it's, it's the Flint river was, was a, a water source that, you know, most locals wouldn't even fish out of it, You wouldn't go near it. And, and yet, for whatever reason, people thought it was a, a good source of, of water for an entire city, which I'm pretty sure we'll talk about that. But <laughs> as you can tell, I'm fired up. So I'm going <laughs> to, as, as you were saying earlier, Mike, I'm going to push you straight into the rage. I'm going to, I'm going to be your conduit today. 
Yeah, I was not the most pleasant person for politicians and uh, city officials to want to chat with during that time. But first things first, water is essential. You don't go more than three days without water. Water is, we are 70% water. We have to have clean water. That is a survival need. That is why when cities first became cities, we settled near water. And it is extremely important that we understand that water isn't something that you necessarily can buy, sell, trade, and withhold. Water is a right to every person. And it drives me bonkers. Like for an example, we started just putting cities next to rivers. Then as engineering improved, we built wells and aqueducts. Then you had high pressure piping. This is the history of where we live. Water is embedded in who we are. And that's extremely important to make sure we talk about first. Agreed, 100%. It, you know, it's it's a conversation that I, I will shamefully admit that I don't think is is something that I talk about enough. I understand the importance of it, but I am I am really really excited to to see not only uh, yours and Nick's viewpoints on the importance of water, but to also learn um from being someone like you that both grew up in this state. I've always taken it for granted, and I've never really stop to smell the roses, if you will. We are surrounded by the largest bodies of fresh water any place possible. And it's just absolutely gorgeous here. And it's something that's just so, like Mike said, essential for life. And he wasn't wrong. When people do settle areas, they settle next to water, but it's it, not just for, you know, the fact that we needed to live, but also for the fact that it in early days was needed for transportation. You know, that's how the logging industry completely works. Like there's so many things that water would do. You use, you know, waters to power your mills, it's grind your wheat. Like water provided such a unique essential element to life on top of the fact that we do need to drink it, that people just, I believe, after generation of generation just took it for granted. And now we have these companies that are pumping billions of gallons of water out of the lakes annually for two to $300, you know, in clerical fees or more, but not, not enough to really make it worth it. And it's just, it's tragic. And, and, and when you look at the amount of wildlife in the Great Lakes that has lost, you know, it's homes that have been damaged by spills and it's just, it's something we need to appreciate before it's gone. I don't think that water gets the respect it's supposed to get. We still put pipelines in water. You know, if it leaks, we'll fix it. Not thinking about what happens when it leaks. Not just for the wildlife, but for us. Especially when you're running it through the largest body of fresh water on the planet. Mm -hmm. That's a that's a big deal. That is that is the most ridiculous mistake I can really come up with. Other, you know, like almost as bad as letting bananas die, if you will. You just let your water supply end when it's the thing you need to live. Doesn't make sense. As an engineer, I had a professor who could care less about engineering, actually disdained engineering, which wasn't my best moment being in his class, who said, Energy is tied to water, no matter what you do. It, whatever you do with water, you have to do with energy. Doesn't Every time you move water, it takes energy. Every time you clean water, it takes energy. It is an extremely important factor with water. It is, I just don't believe it's respected like it should be. I think Rob and I both completely agree with you. And I think that one of the things you come to realize when you, when you like you're raising kids is like how much effect you're having on the world and what you want to examples you want to set for them and what you want to leave behind. We are just three single people, but you know, 
there's hundreds, if not thousands of people that through a network of individuals can be exposed to the things that we talk about. And I'm so happy that we're talking about this tonight. Absolutely. I 100% agree. I want to ask you guys both a a question really quick, just to kind of create some dialogue around that. It's not, it's not rocket science. You know, we, I think most, I would say teenagers to adults understand like the importance of water to us and to our ecosystem and outside of, of money and pure profit. Why do you think it is that that waters is so disrespected and so underrated in, in terms of, you know, like people just think it's this infinite source that we have when we also have evidence out there that shows that, hey, you you can run out of out of this commodity. You can ruin your supply. I think that. As a society, we've become so disjointed with the methods and practices it takes to keep the water clean and the power on that people just take everything for granted. I think that the practical and the average person has no knowledge over what it requires to make water drinkable and to make it clean and pure. They don't understand that when you turn the tap on, it's not just magic and it comes out. Yes, you can call a plumber. That's great. But the water has to come somewhere now if you happen to live in a country like i do you can have a well which means you dig extremely deep into the ground until you find a bed of water you have a pump that pumps it up then through a complicated series of pipes that you hope never burst it goes into your house that's a lot of science that's a lot of things that the average person doesn't have to deal with i i just think that when you don't have an a don't have a practical knowledge over something you tend to not appreciate it for the complex system that it is involved with it i mean clean water is necessary for every form of life on the planet we're all based you know, with water, we need water to be here, plants, humans, insects, everything. And yet here we are a society of people that just disregards trash and plastic and everything into the the lakes and the oceans. And it's only going to last so long until it's irreversible. Well, a Gallup poll just done three months ago, 42% of Americans still believe that climate change dangers are exaggerated. If we can agree on some of the most basic things, then we can agree that we have a water problem. Most people look at it and say, it's two bucks. I don't know what your problem is. It's only $2.50. What they don't realize is that's 15 or 1,500 times the cost of turning on your faucet if you're in the city. Well, depending which city, not Flint, but in most cities, it is very inexpensive to turn that faucet on and get water. It is so inexpensive that half of the water companies. And if you're listening, I challenge you, go to your fridge, grab your bottle of water. I hope you don't have. Look at the label. Half of them say from public water supply. That is not taking it from the lakes. That is not taking it from our water table. That is taking it from the sink, the same sink you're taking water. We've been sold that it's cheap, but it's still cheaper to get it from home, especially when it's the same water. The other part is, Nick is right. We have the same problem with energy as you do water. I turn on the faucet and voodoo happens and here's my water. No one knows the process that water goes through because yes, you may have a well with a a series of pumps and pipes, but if you live in the city, you've got a water treatment plant. You've got gravity fed pressure systems. You have a lot that happens and it's still 1500 times cheaper than picking up a bottle of water. I think there's a lot of disconnects in some of the most basic understanding when it comes to water. Yeah, for sure. And I think for me, you know, hearing everything that that you and Nick just just kind of ran down, that that's another thing that I don't I personally don't even think of. You know, I don't think of everything that it takes 
just to get water through my faucet. Like I, I never think about that. But I think another thing that a lot of people don't think of is just the fact that they can do that. They can turn on a faucet and get clean, drinkable, usable water when there's so many other places that would kill, literally kill to have that luxury. Mm -hmm. And not just, and we jokingly say other countries, but it's not just other countries anymore. And we'll get to that in a minute, but I want to start we talked a little bit about the history of water. I want to move into just 10 years ago. We've all been around. None of us are nine. So I was I was joking before the show. Uh, the first thing I think of is George Carlin. George Carlin doing stand-up, talking about bottled water. Like, when in America do we get so thirsty that we have to carry our own personal bottle of water around? This is actually probably older. This is a skit that's probably older than 10 years. But the answer became all of us. Yeah, you're right. I think that somewhere along the line, um, there was an over exaggeration or overemphasis on the tragedies that happen in small areas with like water when water supplies get contaminated, like not a focus on fixing the problem, but on the dangers of the problem. You understand what I mean? Like they, they focus. So as a society, for some reason, we just shifted to the like processed foods and, and processed water. Like, oh, it's got to be safe. It comes with a label. It comes with a cap. That means it's got to be safe. But like you just stated, the water coming out of your faucet goes through the same process and it's way cheaper. Like, why should you feel more comfortable grabbing, you know, your bottle of Aquafina or Dasani or your ice mountain instead of your refillable cup right here and fill up with beautiful water out of your tap? Like I have delicious delicious tap. And I'll never understand the people that don't appreciate what they have. I understand the cities that don't have it. I don't understand the people that have it and don't use it. You know, uh, one thing that I'm really curious of, you know, since we're talking about drinking water, especially over the last 10 years, I can remember being younger and, you know, you run around, you play with your friends all day long, you get super sweaty, you get thirsty and there was no better tasting water than the water that came out of the holes, <laughs> like attached to your house. And now like adult Rob, and I don't know if it's psychological or what, but sometimes I'm like, my God, this, I, I drink my tap water on the reg, but sometimes that bottle of Essentia just tastes like it was, it's nectar from the heavens. Like what? <laughs> What is, what is, what do you guys think the difference is there? Like, why are we trained to at least think that bottled water is indeed better than our tap? 15 years, there's been discussion about bottled water. Now, the beginning, it was ridicule, but it, as time went on, it has been embedded. I have children who I've had to break the habit of bottled water in this house because it was just how it is. Just like how technology is second nature to those kids. So was bottled water. I can grab a hose and take a drink still because it's the same hose with the same water that came out of the same tap. They don't see it that way. They're somehow in a way over the last 10 years conditioned that that is the water we use for the plants. The water we use for us is in the sink. And I keep telling them the same water that's in the sink is in your toilet. That's the same water. That's potable water. You can drink the water out of the toilet if it's clean, no different than you could <laughs> out of the sink. So I think the hose is just fine. By the Thank way, you for clarifying that the, the, the clean toilet. 
Yeah, it's uh, we use in in America, we use the same water to flush our toilet as we do to drink when other countries don't even have the water to flush the toilet, which is insane when you think about it. And you talk about the stuff that, again, that we take for for granted. And it's it seems and sounds so simple, but it it isn't. No, no, it's well, yes, it is. <laughs> That's the problem. We keep lowering the bar as if it's not. Right. We are fully capable of understanding. It's just, it's given to us differently. It's given to us in a way that says you must buy, you must pay. And I don't believe that. That is, that drives me bonkers. Another thing that I've noticed is over the years, it used to, I, when I was a kid, they never said how much water you had to drink. You just grabbed one of those plastic cups that usually had Kool-Aid in it. And this time it had water in it. It is what it is. Somewhere along the line, it became, you need eight cups a day. Now water is a big seller. They millions and millions in the industry. Now, if you're a female, you should have 12 cups a day. If you're a male, you should have 16. That's annoying to me. You know, you know when you should have water? When you're thirsty. Right. <laughs> exactly. I was going to say that, you know, you, you you drink. And that's that's actually how I was raised. Thanks to to Mom, Mama Rob. Shout out to Mama Rob. It, it was it was always, you know, drink when when you're thirsty. You know, of course, you don't want to overdo it at night because you know what happens when you drink too much before <laughs> bed. But, you know, it, it was um it was a thing that she consistently taught to us and and more so to drink water instead of you know reaching for the sugary sugary beverages that you know everybody else is drinking too your pops your pepsis your cokes your kool-aids and stuff like that when it was it was so much easier most of the time to to pour half a bag of sugar into uh (laughs) into a pitcher and a pack of kool-aid and slam it down but she was always on us about drinking and i'm so thankful for that And, and we did we drank it straight out of the tap with no remorse well, and it's, you know, I talk about eating lower on the food chain. I'm a big guy. I am a 250 pound man who's 44 years old, who should probably not be 250 pounds. So now I'm going through this thing where I'm trying to eat more vegetables and more fruits. When I grew up as a family who just ate potatoes and meat, mm-hmm. okay, and rice and potato chips and sweet stuff. Now I've taken that one step further and I've cut pop out carbonated sodas. Well, I drink a lot of coffee in the morning, but come midday, my options, I have a little bit of grape juice. I like grape juice, but for most of the day, I'm I'm now drinking water and I'm noticing about two weeks into it, it starts to taste good and everything else is a little too sweet. And I think it, I think the more we drink water, the more we go back to being accustomed to it. I agree. I agree. It was that was a a battle with um, even with my son, you know, we still have to kind of have him balance it out because he's like, you know, Capri Sun, Capri Sun, Capri Sun. And, you know, he he does now, thankfully, start to drink water. And we, you know, got him a little reusable can as well, just so we're not going through several. Exactly. (laughs) So we're not going through, you know, several cartons of bottled water ourselves. And I think, do you, do you personally think that economic standing has an impact over the types of water that 
people intake? Absolutely. Marketing plays a part in every part of our lives. Psychology consistently makes changes in what we would want to eat, drink, wear, watch, listen to. I do an advertisement for my book to sell my book. I do an advertisement for this podcast. That stuff always every time is going to influence. And when Coca-Cola and Nestle and all these companies have such a stake in a product that has no cost, they're going to push the heck out of it. So Rob, we lost Nick there just for a second. You were talking about how did we, you know, at some point, how did we think that it was bad water coming out of the hose? Nick, did you have something you wanted to say to that? I, I do, but I don't, think it is as simple as saying that we think it's bad water coming out of the hose. I think it led to that. I think it started with something a lot simpler. Why do you buy stuff to drink at the gas station? Out of curiosity. Why do I buy something to drink at the gas station? Because, well, I would like to say I'm suddenly thirsty, but I think it's because I suddenly have access to to being thirsty. So I'm going to go ahead and pick this up while I'm here. I think this is obviously I use myself as my own guinea pig, but I think that the first and foremost thing that leads me to drink anything is the notion that it's really cold and bottled water is forever going to be colder than tap water because it comes out of a refrigerator. So that subtle thing about it makes it more alluring. The people don't even consider that. They go, oh, look at a bottle of water. You know, it's ice cold. Then just drink it versus the cold water coming out of your tap. And I think that just that, that small preference leads you to other supporting ideas that, you know, like you said, people don't think water out of the hose is safe. Every one of us grew up drinking it or spraying each other out, filling balloons with it. Like, it's not like we don't play with it, but it wasn't always like that. And I just had that occurrence while my eye was in uh, limbo here, watching you guys just kind of robotically move around with no sound. Well, I will say this. When I turn the hose on in the summertime, the first two minutes of that water, you don't want to be anywhere near because it is hot. That, that hose has been sitting out in the summertime. That is some hot water. But there is very few things better than when you're working out all day outside, cleaning up the yard, working on whatever you're working on, and it's 90 degrees. Let that hose run for about a minute and a half, and you will get some of the coldest, most delicious water you've ever had. Because now, first of all, you're exhausted, <laughs> you're hot, and you're thirsty. But especially if you have a well, that's some cold water. It's cold. It's not that cold. It, it feels immensely colder because you're outside and you're sweating. So your body's temperature is so much warmer than it would be otherwise. But I agree. It is delicious and it's fantastic. I am a person who does not like to get wet unless I am all wet. Like if I'm in a pool or in a shower, but for some reason you're outside and it's super hot after the scorching, like, you know, demon water passes, <laughs> the, the cold water feels fantastic to spray, like spray yourself off with. Well, water has become big business. So even if you're spraying yourself off, if you do it at my house, the meter's still running. If I'm washing the truck, the meter's still running. Water is now becoming something that is almost always paid for. I have a few more notes. I know you're super surprised that I might take some notes for this, but I keep, every time I speak in public about water, I say the same thing. Water somehow, drinking water has become big business, but has ended up an environmental tragedy. We are using 50 billion plastic bottles a year. You know, that's uh, uh, 1,500 bottles per second. Wow. The, and I like to follow that up with, with just another simple fact. Do you know that every piece of plastic that has ever been produced by man is still on the earth? Because it takes a 1,000 years. Or, and actually, we assume it will take a 1,000 years 
for them to break down into their individual elements again. So every piece of plastic that's ever been produced, all 50 billion bottles a year, they're still here. And they're going to be here through many of our generations, if we like it or not. So yeah, it's funny. I'm watching both of you. We're on Zoom in case anybody's wondering where some of the silence comes from. I have two shocked faces. So let's start. Rob, what's running through your head? Uh, so, I mean, this is, this is essentially what I signed up for to learn stuff and to hear that statistic in particular is, is nothing less than startling because you, you know, sometimes you hear stuff and it's just so impossible to believe, but then you kind of think about it and, and you, you know, you've read somewhere that it, you hear the saying, you know, plastic bottles are forever in a landfill when you throw them away. That's why you want to try to recycle it. Or your ocean. And yeah, exactly. And I'm looking around now and I'm like, I am I'm surrounded. I'm in, I'm in my, my office, my con room. And, you know, I got posters behind me. I have peripherals around me. I have collectibles in Everything that I'm looking at right now is is encased or wrapped in or protected by plastic. And I'm like, what? It's it's me. I'm the problem. <laughs> you will be able to handle hand that down for 12 generations. I mean, yeah, yeah they at least they hope so. <laughs> Nick, you had that same look. Uh, I do have that same look, but I'll get into that. But I just have to reassure Rob, you're not the only one. Our entire generation is the problem. Uh, we often talk about the uh, the tragedy of pop culture success. <laughs> um, but no, yeah, 50 billion bottles a year is intensely more severe than anything I guess I really ever thought of. My question is, how far back does that statistic go? What year did we hit the 50 billion mark? And how many years, you know, hasn't been sent. So, I mean, we're talking nineties, two thousands. Well, no, the 50 billion is uh, as of 2020, but we've been constantly increasing plastic use for 30 years. I mean, it really, really ramping it up 30 years ago. And every, every time I say it, every single piece, there's not a piece missing. Every single piece that isn't been burnt and put into the atmosphere is still here. Yeah. And when you say 30 years ago, that's only 1990. That's not even that long ago. See, when you say 30 years ago, I'll be honest, you said 30, my brain said 70, 1970. That is 50 years ago. Mm -hmm. 30 years ago was 1990. That feels like yesterday. It feels like a blip in the radar. But if we're talking, you know, 30 years ago, which you, you've seen a lot of different things. Rob just touched on a lot of it. Like he's got collectibles. He's got posters, everything in that room with the exception of maybe his desk. I don't know what it's made out of. It's got plastic in some sort. Those, those canvases behind him, the paint, everything is, is got plastic in it. Like it's, it's not going anywhere anytime soon. It drives me. That. It drives me nuts. You want to see me get mad. You want to see me get all upset. Have me see a person drinking a bottled water with a plastic straw. That oh. is less than one cent worth of water. You paid a dollar twenty for with a bottle that will live here forever and a straw that will live here forever because straws themselves, as much as everybody wants to make a joke about banning straws, we use a school bus full of straws per day. Yes, Rob. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I uh, again, I'm I'm here to get you even more angry. I am going to encourage you to never go to a comic con because there are. <laughs> There are scores of people who drink bottled water 
who drink their sodas, pops, Pepsis, all that out of the plastic bottle through a straw. The bottled waters themselves are usually on average four to five dollars at the comic cons right so that's yes for and not even for the big you know good bottles of water and i see mike right now is getting ready to raise so i'm gonna keep talking for a few but it's not even like the giant good bottles you know the 16 fluid ounce bottles it's it's for the eight ounce boys and they're they're giving you straws to put in them it's same thing with the pepsis the gatorades and stuff like that those by the way are generally two to three bucks but bottled water is four to five dollars at the comic con now there is just to play devil's advocate there is a method to the madness at cons most people are dressed up they got face paint and stuff like that they don't want to ruin the costume by putting a bottle up to the face all the time but still the sheer amount of plastic waste that happens at a comic con alone is staggering i assure you so what you're saying is if we go one day how many people are probably there two three hundred in detroit oh my god no if it, it depends on the con itself if so the smallest comic con that i've gone to in michigan is generally the grand rapids comic con and between a Friday and Sunday, you're going to have between two to 4,000 people there. Well, I don't know if I can pull that off, but I'm going to look and see how many aluminum straws I can get in bulk. And we should just walk around <laughs> and hand and, them out. Hey, man, please stop doing that. Bring this to every Comic-Con. Just pretty pleased with sugar on top. You're filling a school bus every single day. Here's, a, here's an aluminum straw on us. You know, because... <laughs> It just drives me nuts. And you know what? Something else you said that these little hairs, these hairs back here stood up when you said it's not even the good water. It's not even the good water. Water is a unique, unique thing on this planet. It can always be cleaned. And if it's clean, it's water. It is down to its, it's, it's down to its molecules. It's, it's, it's water, not infused water. Doesn't make water better. It doesn't matter. Flavor doesn't make water better. What makes water better is if it's clean. And if it's clean, it doesn't matter what the label is. It's still just water. And that's one of the things that always drives. Well, that's not the good water. This is the good water. If it's water, it's water. (laughs) (laughs) We learn it in chemistry. Right. Because we, 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 we use water in chemistry because it's a magical thing to begin with. Because we can clean it afterwards and use it again and again and again and again. (sighs) <sighs> see okay i know i know <laughs> no. I, I i do have to ask you this why do you think there's so much gosh i i have to be the button presser too i guess why do you think there's so much water racism like some people will stay away from spring water <laughs> and only drink a certain type like no is if it's mineral water no no if it's distilled i have to have distilled i i don't want to drink spring water does it have electrolytes in it? Because that's what my body needs. Uh, no, your body needs water. You are <laughs> 70% water. No, it, it is marketing. It's marketing. It is marketing. It is marketing. Water is water. And uh, you know, I'm not. It, the reason why someone says I'm not drinking the spring water because someone told them a bear is peeing in it. Uh, I will say I honestly do prefer spring water. I don't like <laughs> purified water. I'm, I've got to be honest. Um, spring water has a more natural flavor closer to a well 
I prefer well water first and foremost. I will drink my well water far before I'll drink a bottled water. It's not purified. It has some mineral to it. It gives it a little bit different taste. Well, it tastes like water. It doesn't, my, my issue with the purified water is it generally tastes like the plastic bottle that it comes in, in terms of drinking. At the end of the day, water's water. You are correct. But if I do have the option to purchase water, and if I have to, if I have no other option, I'm at a Comic-Con or a, a concert, I prefer spring water, hands down. Well, if you're purchasing water, buy it in bulk, please. Before I move on to something I believe is extremely important, and I want to make sure we cover it today, I want to tell you, when you buy your tap water, it's less than a penny per gallon. It's less than a penny per gallon. I can leave that faucet on for a long, long time versus how much it costs to get one bottle of water. Now, the stat that I pulled, the average price for a bottle of water is 89 cents. But you know what the max price for a bottle of water is? And it must be at one of your Comic-Cons because one of those bottles was $8.26. We are paying, and that's from uh, foodandwaterwatch.org. We are paying just silly amounts. And as we know here in Michigan, companies who take the water pay very, very, very little. They pay less for a year's worth of access to clean, fresh water than Flint, Michigan residents pay per month for even contaminated water. Yeah, that's accurate. Um, Nestle, as of 2019, was paying about $200 in clerical fees per facility that processes water for the use of the water, but they don't pay for the water itself. Now, that doesn't speak to, you know, what they pay to move the water and, and the bottles and uh, but just permits to take water for free, $200. Right. Which we can't do. Well, we can with wells. If we, if we have homes with wells, we can pull from the aquifer, but if you're in a city, you're forced to be hooked to the system, which leads me into what I want to talk about, which is there is a shaking of trust when it comes to free water sources. There is a consistent presence on facebook the news uh the cable i say cable news sports station because i don't think news is about news i think it's about sports even i don't mean football i mean blue and red teams there is a consistent neglect to city sources to how we treat aquifers from flint michigan which i and it irritates the hell out of me that i can say flint michigan and everybody listening knows what i'm talking about i didn't even finish that sentence uh, to Wolverine Boot Company on the west side of the state in Rockford with PFAS. PFAS is a big problem in water because it's really, really, really hard to get out. And it's a major contaminant. And they actually got the aquifer from their overflow. In Pennsylvania, almost every city has tested bad water because of fracking and other operations in that state. So we start talking about how bad your tap water is, how bad your tap water is, or go buy bottled water for the safety of your children is this mindset instead of protecting water sources and instead of delivering safe, clean water, I get so irritated about Flint, Michigan. You have a bunch of officials who've been arrested, have been in trouble. They got all kinds of crime and corruption. Now someone poisoned the water supply. They are one Batman away from being Gotham. It is, it is embarrassing as an American because this is something we we should be seeing in, in, in nations without leaders not in the richest nation in the world. 100% agree. No, I completely agree. And as you know, anyone that listens to this knows I work at the MTA station. Um, and I will say that daily, at least once, I have someone come up and ask where my water comes from. Because even though there's a large portion of Flint that has drinkable water, that fear 
is going to last for generations. That that acceptance of such a low standard of human safety is is mind-boggling to me. Like that's not something like oh, you know, a tiny supply. That was the entire. That was the city. Like at one time, Flint had over a million people in in the city years ago. Now it has what like a hundred thousand or a couple hundred thousand. That's still a tremendous amount of people that were in danger from something that was so preventable. It was insane. And as you know, a first world nation as the shining star of the world for what is supposed to be and taking care of our people and, and growth and, and love and togetherness. Like we need to do as a society a far better job of taking care of this kind of stuff before it becomes the tragedy that Flint became. Well, and Flint, and, and yes, I focus on Flint because I spent so much time there. Flint was neglect. It was all about money. It was all about money. They reduced a lubricant that goes and protects the pipes. And what I told, what I said at City Hall, I asked who were the chemists and who were the hydrologists that, are, that signed off on that decision. There was none. There was no science involved whatsoever. No science professionals involved. And what I stated was, as an engineer, I know that if I take the protectant from anything, there's a 100% chance of failure. 100% chance of failure. That when you, when you took that away, you knew the end result. And Flint, that's not the first time. And it certainly wasn't even the last time since this conversation. Do you realize during the Flint water crisis, they fired the DPW director? Okay. They never rehired another one. So in the last six months, they've had 300 main breaks. Every time a main break happens, you lose pressure. When you lose pressure, you get bacteria. And then you have to put out a boil warning. There has been no one to make that announcement. They have been drinking water with bacteria and other contaminants in it now. Again. That is why we have these problems. People don't, they're shaking the faith of people by neglect. And if no one goes to jail, they do it again. Flint, Michigan has a Netflix series. Flint, Michigan has had people come here and do all these things to try and help. And the moment they stopped looking, they'd even hire to replace the position and again, put every resident in danger. Did you know that when they had lead, someone said, just boil the water and you'll be fine? Just so you know, the only thing worse, drinking leaded water, is inhaling it. This is what happens when there is no scientist on the payroll. Now, we have two options, force them to get scientists or hold them accountable. I believe those two, both of those options should be real. They should happen. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, we... You and I, Mike, we talked about this on, on an episode of my podcast way, way, way long ago. And I remember you you saying they they hadn't consulted any engineers or, you know, any chemists or anything like that. And it was absolutely mind boggling to find that out because of the sheer amount of people that this could and did end up affecting. And, and like Nick said, you know, people in Flint are going to be feeling the effects of that decision for generations. It's it's almost it's like it's it's a, a buzzword that's or buzz phrase that's tossed around, but like people are legit going to come out of this with PTSD because of everything that happened. There's children with lead poisoning. They have learning disabilities. The same people who want to cut funds to those kinds of programs are making decisions to fill those programs. There is countless children. As, as both of you know, I taught STEM on the north end of Flint. It's a, lot of, it's a place where a lot of people won't go. And I wasn't even accepted for a long time. 
there's a lot of kids that drink a lot of water during that time that you have to spend a lot of extra time with, that you have to get more money into those schools when they're already yanking that money out. So the things they want to solve, they just absolutely deepen the cut to those communities. And it just drives me nuts because those kids, they didn't get a chance at a regular life. They were already behind an eight ball when they started. Now someone, and now they have lead poisoning. That's unacceptable. In, in the United States, it's embarrassing in my book. Sorry, I told you, I get ticked off sometimes. Listen, I love it when you go green. It's my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I, I am, I told you I would be the conduit and, and we would talk about it, but it, it is a justifiable emotion. And honestly, I feel like more people should be ticked off about it and more people should be looking to either raise or continue awareness around this so that it never, ever, ever happens again. Now, I know that's wishful thinking. It is probably happening while we're recording this show, but I, I, I just feel like there has to be some sort of way to hold those in charge uh, responsible and accountable to, to ensure that this doesn't continue to happen in modern American cities. Well, and I know I talk about Flint every time because that's my personal experience. So I did do a little extra. I did know about Wolverine out in the West side of state. I did know about all the problems in Pennsylvania, but I didn't know that in Bradley, Texas, this year, the last time they had their water tested, it had nine times the safe content of radium. Jeez. That wow. the most contaminated water in the United States is in fresno california it has 19 contaminants including arsenic and and mined uranium mining uranium those are that's unacceptable the if, if, food and water okay if anybody is in government i hold seats here in my town if anybody who's listening to this is working within a government agency it is your responsibility water clean air food that's how people live it's simple those are the very basics it is unacceptable that a public water supply would have radium in it or uranium in it or arsenic in it. I'm cool with a little bit of iron. It is not okay to add lead. It doesn't matter if you meant it or it was ignorance. If you harm people, you go to jail. It is how it, there is no ignorance when you harm large groups of people. If only it could be that simple. Um, it will be that simple when we all agree together, not separately. Most of us agree separately. Once we all agree together, then it will change. And that's where I want to, because I want to wrap us up here pretty quickly. Water is starting to become a stock. You're starting to see funds put together. They're now talking about making it a commodity. Ladies and gentlemen, it doesn't need to be a commodity. It's something that we need to live. That is not something that we should be trading back and forth and the price should change by speculation like our gas does. That, that is, is unacceptable. I wish you were joking. I, I really wish you were. It, you know, years ago, a big joke or the entire premise of a, a satire movie was the, you know, canned air. And, you know, it was funny. It was hilarious, blah, blah, blah. But now they're looking at doing it to water. They already bottle it. They already sell it for immense profits. To trade it on the stock market is on top of the fact ridiculous because it's water. It's, it's like a whole new level of greed that I guess I never really would have expected. Like it's, it's disgusting is what it is. It is. And the movie you're talking about, Spaceballs, I told you just recently, I just saw canned air. Uh, it's $36. There's four different locations you can get air. And we can mock it now, but 15 years ago, we mocked water in a bottle. 
Yeah. So how do you fight this? I mean, we got just a few minutes left. Buy a filter. There's test kits on Amazon that let you test your own water. They're very inexpensive. What we have to do is start holding people accountable for the water that we get. And we have to start holding people accountable. We, we need to start testing our own water, holding ourselves accountable, and then and making sure that we drink our own when it's safe. So we have just a few minutes left. Rob, do you have, give me your closing argument. I, you know, I, I pretty much agree with everything that you just said. Uh, and as you were saying it, there was one more thought that popped into my mind. And I don't think it's something that can be addressed in, in a few short moments, but I'm going to say it anyway. I think there is another Another factor that that should be addressed, which is, you know, kind of that that spread of mis or disinformation about the water that we consume. Like you say, with your kids, you know, uh, there's specific water for washing things. There's specific water for ingestion. There's specific water for other things. And I, I think once we remove the stigma from water being water then we can start to actually move forward and, and, and cut down on the stranglehold that these giant corporations have. Because as long as somebody can tell us that smart water or Essentia or Voss is better than what is in your tap, then it, we, we will never truly make progress. I agree, Rob. I think that as a civilization, society as a whole needs to take more than just a, a second hand thought like take an interest in the life we have, take an interest in the things around you, learn about water, learn about the value, the actual intrinsic value of our nature as human beings and, and find reasons for your own life to fight the things that are happening that we don't like. As a society, we need to find our own foothold. Not everyone's going to care about water for the same reasons. You know, the marine biologist isn't going to care for, for water the same reason as the dad who just wants a, a healthy supply for his children. It's just, you have to find the reasons to fight for it. And we have to find reasons and things we agree on as a society. There's tons we can disagree on, but this is something we need to come together on stand together and just agree that this cannot happen. We need to change the way it's going and start making improvements to ensure a healthy life for the next generation. And the ones after that, this show is about realistic sustainability. Do I think that you're never going to buy a bottled water? No, there's times we were at the maker's fair. The only way to get something is to buy it while you're there. There are times. I will tell you, we buy less of it. We buy one and we share because we don't want to do it. And there's a drinking fountain inside. I'm going to hit that on the way through. I know there's times we need to. But if we only did it when we need to, this wouldn't be a problem. Matter of fact, I don't think companies would be fighting tooth and nail to make it a big deal and make it a huge profit if we only used it once in a great while. If you buy water, buy it in bulk. Get Get it from your darn neighbor. If they have good water, go fill a jug. If you live in my neighborhood, come on over. I have pretty good water. It's less than a cent a gallon. I'll fill up all your gallons. We can do it as a community. It takes a village. We are a village. This country is one big village. We work together. The fact is water is essential. Buy a filter, test your water, own it yourself, get a rain barrel. There's a lot of things we can do to minimize how much we spend on water. On top of the fact you'll save money, but you'll also, maybe maybe we can start taking some of this incentive away from business because I got to tell you, I am a little worried about it becoming a commodity. Things that go into the stock market, they, it loses its humanity. So I'm going to have to leave it there. We're running out of time. This is going to be our world's longest episode. I appreciate everybody for listening. Rob, give me a, we got three minutes. Give me a quick curated culture. We got to plug the show. 
Absolutely. Uh, thank you so very much for having me on again. I am Rob at Robbie Diesel on the tweets, on the Instagrams, on the Snapchats, on the TikToks. Make sure that you guys check out the curated culture. It is a snapshot of society as a whole. We talk about video games. We talk about comic books. We talk about comic cons and politics and mental health. Every single thing that you would want to sink your teeth into, breaking news, making news, product reviews, we do every single thing over at the curated culture. That's thecuratedculture.com. Thank you so much for being on here. See, I'm the least cool person. We've got the host of Curated Culture. We've got the host of Melting Me, Nick Nazarian down there. Nick, any final words or anything you want to plug? No, I don't want to plug anything, but I do want to say thank you for having us on this. And I think this is all the episodes we've done. This is one of the most important ones that I think that we really probably had to have. And like I say this all the time, we need to get back into it and dig deeper because there's a lot we didn't cover. There's a lot of things that people need to realize. And this is also something that affects every one of us. I am just fortunate that be able to have this conversation with you guys. And thank you very much. Yeah. I, I, I wrote this stuff out thinking, boy, I hope this is enough to discuss knowing that I'm going to freak out on a half dozen rants. I, I probably could have had half of this. This could have been a two part series, but we're going to revisit it because it's water and it matters. And I get fired up and you know what? I get to write which one's next. So I know water's going to happen every six months in some facet or another, but I appreciate both of your guys' time. This has been a blast again. And I also want to thank all of the listeners. If you've enjoyed this episode, leave a review. It's how we get found on every podcast platform. And so far you've started doing it and it's helping. Thank you so very much. I'm Mike for Rob and Nick. We'll see you next week. Feeling overwhelmed by climate change? Looking for sustainable and ethical brands to support? That ethic is perfect for you. Ethic is a simple browser extension that helps you find sustainable and ethical brands online. Learn more at ethic.org, E-T-H-Y-K.org.